Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better. Let's wake them up, get them up, get them going. Let's hook them up on this Tuesday morning. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Off we go. Five hours of great football and sports conversation begins right now. Our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation is uh, off and running. We appreciate you being there on this 13th of February, which is Valentine's Day Eve. Also happens to be something called World Radio Day. Not sure what that is. We'll try to dive in there. But a lot to do as we get you rolling. We appreciate you finding us, however you do, each and every morning. And uh, telling friends about it as well. Share a friend, share with a friend, uh, whether you listen on 1019. Could be AM 1260, could be uh, the Horn app, which is uh, growing like crazy. We appreciate you sharing that and uh, using it by the day, uh, day by day, on uh, at hornfm.com or on the Horn app. Download it to your smartphone. Touch of a button. You've got hook them up. Uh, crystal clear digital quality right there on your smartphone. However, uh, you you, uh, you use it. Appreciate you doing that as we get you rolling on this uh, busy Tuesday. We'll recap the Super Bowl, of course, continuing. Rod is back, of course, uh, joined us mid- midway through the show yesterday after flying in from Las Vegas where he took in Super Bowl 58, which is now officially the most watched television program of all time. Uh, but Rod was in attendance. We'll talk about uh, the game itself, the breakdown as the Chiefs now get ready for another victory parade in downtown Kansas City. We've got college basketball, pro basketball. We've got uh, other football conversation to be had. It's official now in Dallas with the Cowboys and their new defensive coordinator. So safe to say uh, five hours probably will be enough, but uh, maybe not as we get this thing rolling. And as we say, we appreciate you finding us as we get this thing uh, off and running to get your Tuesday underway. And here he is. He's made his way into the South Austin Onion Creek compound, making his way in and uh, ready to roll out of the 713 in DB High down in Houston, Texas. Also out of DBU right here in the 512. He's a lifetime Longhorn. He is our football theorist. He is Black Stradamus himself and the proud papa of Baby Monroe. What's going on, Rod Babers? I'm doing good, brother. Appreciate the intro and the hospitality as always. Uh, excited to talk some more Super Bowl today, so uh, we'll get into that. But also, man, the uh, the post-football season, it's upon us the now. post-mortem, as they yes. say. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's sad because we don't really actually have football on the horizon anymore to discuss we'll just be reviewing it but uh we'll got we got a lot to review because i think there's a more of a narrative forming about my boy shannon so we'll talk about that but of course uh, the biggest storyline coming out of super bowl the kansas city chiefs are truly a dynasty and who can stop this dynasty who's gonna wreck this dynasty they're ready for a parade and the other 31 teams are trying to figure out how to topple the dynasty in Kansas City and this guy Patrick Mahomes with the uh, with the dad bod but uh, the clutch gene uh, in spades every time they need a big play he seems to make it for sure uh, did you get a nap yesterday my friend I didn't get much of a nap I mean you know how that goes you can't be a new father and get naps in I just don't work don't work that way so I uh, didn't get much naps in but got a good night of sleep good and I'm ready to roll ready to roll uh, back at the horn headquarters on the the 360 our man Ty Henderson is back after his trip to uh, New Orleans for Mardi Gras Ty how are you my friend Tired. Long day of driving yesterday, but I had a long, I had a really good time. Really good time. Really good time. Meeting the parents of your girlfriend went well. I mean, yes, we, very well. No, no, no. Meet the Fockers uh, problems going on there at all. Just all good, right? No, I. Uh, so we drove in Wednesday night or Wednesday. Left at four a.m. on Wednesday last Wednesday. Uh, got there around noon, and the only time I went to Bourbon Street while I was down there was for lunch, and uh, nice. we went out after. I mean, I had some drinks. They're, they're fun. They're fun. They're good times. So, I, but I didn't embarrass myself. If anybody was wondering, you know, I had a great time. <laughs> I think I made it. I think I made a good impression. My purchases that we talked about last week—that my girlfriend, she bought me some new clothes, some new shoes. That everything went they over well. well. So, 
Nice. New, new clothes, new shoes, new haircut, a whole bit. I like it. Well, it's good to have Ty back. And, uh, yeah, that's a long drive back from uh, from New Orleans when you're you're pulling out of the Big Easy and making it making it back west uh, to Austin, Texas. But good to have Ty back. We appreciate Brock uh, jumping in and producing the show the last several days as we get this thing going on a Tuesday. It is Valentine's Day Eve, so have some fun with that. I'm not sure what National or Happy World Radio Day is, but we'll try to figure that out, Rod, as we get you going. But let's start with the headlines, top stories to start your Tuesday. Top news presented by our friends at Top Gun, Reynolds and Lawn Equipment, including their brand new location in uh, Buda, Texas, USA, America. How about we start in the NFL? It's official now in Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys have finalized the deal to bring back their former defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer, to replace Dan Quinn, the 67-year-old, most recently the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings for eight seasons. He rejoins Dallas after... Uh, 18 years after he served in the same role with the club. uh, He has now officially got the deal done. Super Bowl 58, officially the most watched program in television history. 123.4 million viewers from across all platforms tuned in on Sunday. See the Chiefs topple the 49ers in overtime. Uh, The thriller there, the number exceeded last year's Super Bowl, which had held the previous record. Uh, Exceeded it by nearly 10 million, by the way. Over 202 million viewers watched at least part of the broadcast Sunday, making it the most uh, unduplicated total audience in TV history. Chiefs parade through the downtown streets of KC is set for tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. College basketball, Texas forward Dylan DeSue named the Big 12's Player of the Week yesterday, marking the first time a Longhorn has received that honor this season. Senior from Pflugerville had himself a week. 27.5 points he averaged, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 2.5 steals, and a block and a half in two games last week against Iowa State and West Virginia. Texas will be off in the midweek before headed to Houston. Face fifth-rate Cougars on Saturday at noon. Texas women, meanwhile, surging. They've moved into the top five of the latest AP Top 25. Uh, head coach Vic Schaefer's Longhorns have won four in a row. They moved up to five in the, number five in the latest rankings. They'll face Houston on the road tomorrow night for welcoming Iowa State to the Moody Center on Saturday. On the court last night, absolute blowout out in Lubbock. Texas guard Darian Williams poured in 30 points. Leader the Red Raiders past sixth-ranked Kansas, 79-50. to Sophomore didn't miss a shot in 38 minutes, was 12 for 12 from the floor, including uh, four three-pointers. Also made a couple of free throws, hauled in 12 rebounds for good measure. Red Raiders improved to 7-4 and four now in Big 12 play. They're alone in third place now. Very busy night in the NBA. Texas trio all in action. All posted wins, including in Toronto, where Victor Wenbanyama had himself a night. The rookie phenom scored 27 points, grabbed 14 rebounds, blocked for 10 shots to post his second career triple-double, lead the Spurs past the Raptors, 122-99. Luka Doncic, meanwhile, posted his 10th triple-double of the season. He led the Mavericks past Washington, 112-104. Down in Houston, the Rockets nipped the Knicks, 105-103. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. So who do we think is closer to uh, um, potentially interrupting or disrupting the Chiefs' dynasty? That's the real question I've been pondering because this is a, the question the rest of the league is pondering. How close are you? And what are the necessary elements to take down Kansas City? What do you need? What do you need to get it? For some teams, they already got it. They already got some of it, half of it, maybe offense, defense. But what are you missing all right, well, you're missing elements that are keeping you from taking down Kansas City. You need an elite quarterback. That's like, what, probably 10 of those in the league? So if you ain't got an elite quarterback, you're already out of it. That's why the quarterback draft is so big. You've got to find a quarterback that can at least keep you in the games with Patrick Mahomes. He's got to be an elite quarterback. So who's beating Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs? Elite quarterbacks, right? Joe Burrow's done it. Tom Brady's done it. You've got to go find one of them. That's number one. Number two, 
you have to have an offense that is sophisticated enough and consistent enough to stay on the field because there is no defense in the NFL built well enough to stop and neutralize Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid. So you got to have an offense that's just good enough to stay on the field because your defense ain't going to matter. Your defense really don't matter as much. Uh, because once he's in the zone and once he's in fourth quarter, uh, you know, once he's in Superman mode, puts on his cape, I don't really think your defensive calls will matter as much because he figures that out. So you got to have a lead quarterback, got to have an offense that's clicking on all cylinders. 49ers, we're not that, right? Offense was not clicking on all cylinders. It's a great offense. It's got a really good offensive mind behind it in Kyle Shanahan. But Brock Purdy, when he put the game on Brock's shoulders, and Brock didn't play bad, but he didn't put a cape on. And you got to put a cape on if you're going to go up against that dude. Well, and then you better have a pass rush and not a manufactured pass rush. I'm talking about actual you – you got to have war daddies on your defensive line. you got to have guys that can win one-on-ones in pass rush situations just like Tampa Bay did. You can't have guys that – you can't have a manufactured pass rush. 49ers had one early on. 49ers stockpiled D-line better than anybody else. So 49ers got – some of that, that element, but they don't have all of it because Brock Purdy ain't necessarily the kind of quarterback that can put a cape on yet. Maybe he will one day, but not yet. So do you have those three elements? You got a quarterback that can put a cape on and go blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes. You have an offense that can stay on the field so that he's watching from, as, a, as a bystander on the sideline. And do you have a pass rush that can be dominant when it needs to be? Those three elements are my – Am I missing one? Am I missing something else? No, I think you're right. You got to have mean, a coach that can match X's and O's too. That would help because that's what Shano wasn't. Shano couldn't match the strategy, and he could not match the the football acumen, the preparedness of well, one Andy Reid. And that's the big storyline right now. His team was ill prepared. At least they weren't ready for the overtime period. And I don't know if any team is even close to that. Close. I don't even think they're even close. Well, I mean, I, I'll play devil's advocate and argue that the, the Bills are very close, but. Uh, I, I think the know. Niners are close, uh, very close. I mean, I this play with you think that you think you think Sean McDermott's gonna match wits with Andy well, Reid? Well, I mean, I just watched the games in the last four years. They've been very close to winning the games, but you know, what with horseshoes and hand grenades, what is close? I mean, the Bills were you know three points, and you know Tyler Bass makes a field goal. They're they're tied with a minute to go, a minute and a half to go in Buffalo, and then that's the latest close loss for them in the playoffs. The Niners. I mean, this game went to overtime. This game came down to a, you know, a couple of plays. And um, that's really, I mean, go to your, to your point of, you know, who's close. Look at the Eagles last year. They, they had a Superman performance from their quarterback. They had the best pass rush in pro football. And they couldn't beat the Chiefs uh, when it mattered most. And, of course, that game went to the final play as well. Um, you know, it's one of those you've got to execute in the biggest of moments. I mean, that really what it, what it comes down to. I mean, I think there are teams who are close. They just don't execute in the biggest of moments like the Chiefs do. Mm. That's really the, uh, the, the X factor for me when you watch the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs won every, and their defense especially, won every high leverage spot late in that game. You know, every time they brought a blitz or needed to get to pressure on, on Brock Purdy in a big spot, they did. Um, you know, the, you think of the Chris Jones, you know, blowing through, a, you know, the right tackle there and, and putting pressure on, in overtime. That might have been a touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, right, and, uh, you know, instead of having to kick a field goal. Um, you know, the big third down play at the two-minute warning. It was Trent McDuffie coming on a corner blitz that got home, hit uh, Brock Purdy right as he threw the ball and forced an incompletion. The Niners, we all didn't get home when they brought pressure against Patrick Mahomes when it mattered most, and that's what ends up, uh, you know, losing you the football game. You also have to have some good fortune, Rod. Oh, yeah, I, mean, good luck. I mean, you mentioned this yesterday, having been in attendance. I mean, it, you good can't luck. overstate how 
critical the Dre Greenlaw injury was to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you know, he's running onto the field, and he tears his Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get more fluke than that. But you realize that when Dre Greenlaw went out, you cited it watching the game. His replacement was a guy named Oren Burks. And after he left, I mean, nine targets, nine catches allowed, a passer rating of 134.7. I mean, they, they, I mean, they were shutting down Travis Kelsey and doing a great job against the Chiefs passing game. Then Dre Greenlaw gets hurt, and the floodgate opens, and all of a sudden they're going up and down the field. And, uh, you know, that's just bad luck. I mean, uh, you know. That, it's bad luck, but it's also roster construction. Yeah. You can't, you can't afford bad luck against Patrick Mahomes because either their luck is really good or, like you said, they execute it so meticulously down mm. the stretch that yep. you better be depending on luck because they're not depending on luck. They didn't depend on luck during the overtime period. Andy Reid said they had, had, they had meetings about the overtime period sure. every playoff round every playoff round that's just meticulous preparation yep i mean that's essentially you make your own luck they made their own luck because of the way they execute down the stretch i, I don't know I, I i'm not as uh, optimistic as you i don't know if teams are as close i have the all-around blueprint all around blueprint right now to be as close to kansas city as you think they are it seems that way i mean kansas, kansas city only basically outplayed the 49ers in my opinion for one quarter of that game that's and that was true. the fourth quarter in the overtime, pretty much. That, well, that, and that's that where was the period. They, but the first half, the first half, the 49ers outcoached them, outplayed them. They re, what it really came down to was when Dre Greenlaw went down. That was the first kind of glimpse of hope for the Kansas City offense because all they did was just go after that dude. They were like, it was a simple strategy. All right, let's just see if the backup's good. Yeah, nine, backup, nine attempts after yeah, that was the, only in a quarter and a half. Yeah, can the, can the backup hold up? No, he cannot hold up. All right, there's a significant drop-off between their starter and their backup. Let's go through that. That's just simple football. We do that at the high school level. <laughs> All right, there's a simple football. And then after that, that be- then the they halftime adjustments came. And like I said, once the halftime adjustments set in, once the supercomputer that Patrick Mahomes is so it's processing all the information, I don't know if it was that close. Because they, they only played them for one, they played them for one a quarter and overtime period. That's when they all played them, but that's when they mattered most. I thought the 49 strategy was really good. I thought their game plan was really good early on, but they, they, they lost a battle. They lost a chess match within the game. That's what Shano lost. He did. I mean, and, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan is left to, you know, is shattered again with a, with a close loss in a Super Bowl. Uh, and really, I mean, there's a lot of numbers that, that stack up, but obviously, you know, third downs. I mean, they're three for 12 on third down. Um, you know, that, and now in three Super Bowls for Kyle Shanahan, uh, this Super Bowl, the one four years ago, then the one when he was with the Atlanta Falcons, 25% on third downs in the biggest games of his life. I mean, that's that's got to get better. Those and are money plays. Those are money plays. He, he, didn't have the, he didn't have the money plays. Right? I told you that yesterday. Yeah. He, it's, he was not in his creative bag. He was 3-for-12 against the Chiefs this year. He was 3-for-8 against the Chiefs and four years ago. And against the Patriots, even in that uh, game where they were up 28-3, to was 1-for-8 on third downs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's with, you know, that's Brock great. Purdy played to a, to a really solid level this year at quarterback. He had Matt Ryan, who won an MVP when he was with the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those are – this is to your point. I mean, you got to beat Mahomes, you got to beat Andy Reid, yeah. and you got to beat now Steve Spagnuolo, yeah. who's one of the great defensive minds of the game's ever seen. It's a it's a juggernaut, and uh, so you know whether you know however we define the word close. I mean, these are very close games, but it's it's again it's horseshoes and hand grenades. It doesn't matter if you can't execute to an elite level in the critical moments of the football game like the Chiefs do. 
you're not going to beat them. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to beat them. You can go back to the AFC title game uh, with, between the Ravens and yep. the Chiefs, and it's the same thing, right? <laughs> Just critical mistakes. Just cr- they lost <laughs> their head. The penalties. Yeah. They, the fumble at the goal line. Lamar Jackson not stepping up. The game plan was poor. Yeah. Uh, so exactly. I do, I do think teams have are close roster-wise. I think there are teams that have talent. To match, I mean, gosh, I mean, if you if you did a draft of players, I think you'd take more 49ers early than you would the, the Chiefs. But you wouldn't after take Patrick, the, after you take that quarterback and the head coach and the head coach yeah. and the GM. Yeah. See, the three most important pieces of a football organization right now, the Chiefs have the best of those three. Honestly, and it's hard to argue they have the, they don't have the best GM in the league right now too, in Brett Veach. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. And they're only going to get better. This is we're, we're the, the conversation. If it, it would to me be one an easier conversation to have if they were toward the tail end of this thing. They are tr- crescendoing. <laughs> they haven't out. There's a, that's an argument. They haven't reached their peak yet. So that's why the NFL now is playing catch up. Like, what do we have to do? Like, how close are you? You have to sit down as an organization today. And with your with your head coach and with your GM, hell, and think about your roster and go, all right, guys, how close are we? Do we have what it takes? Do we have to even be in the game in the fourth quarter with him? And, and you just brought up teams that have been, right? The Bills, the Ravens, the 49ers, they are good enough to be in the fourth quarter with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Eagles last year. The Eagles last year. Well, not this year. See how quickly that can change, though. Yeah, That's yeah. the thing, too. You can be there one year, but then you have the consistency to do it for the next five, six years because that's what they've been doing. Yep. Now, the 49ers do. 49ers do. They, they seem to have put together a consistent model and a consistent recipe. But, like I said, it's, they're getting better, and, and they are consistently good year in and year out. This was supposed to be a down year for them. I do. I think it's a come-to-Jesus moment for the rest of the league. It is a straight-up come-to-Jesus moment. You've got to figure it out. Well, I mean uh, – He's about to be MJ up in this junk. Well, he is because I, <laughs> I, I said all day yesterday, I feel like this was the year to get the Chiefs if you're going to get the Chiefs mm-hmm. because I think you're, you're right. right. I mean, he's only 28 years old. They're going to add pieces. He's already been said he's willing to restructure his contract, create more cap space, to keep, selfish too. keep a Chris Jones, uh, who who needs a contract for them. Their their war daddy on the defensive line. Uh, they got a young secondary and a young defense across the board, and, and you know around him. And yeah, I mean they're they're going to be better next year. I think that's fair to say. And so yes, when you're sitting your and your 31 other, uh, you know facilities, you know, what are you doing? I, I think you and I as Houston fans feel boy like the Texans with C, young C.J. Stroud, a young D'Amico Ryans, a general manager in Nick Casario is probably the executive of the year. They they could be on a path to try to topple the, the Chiefs. But, again, it, it, you got to study what they're doing and you got to understand that when the, the moment comes, the, the last five minutes of a football game, you've got to make critical decisions. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan – and his Niners now twice against this juggernaut have not, right? When it's gotten to the, to the biggest of moments, they've crumbled. I mean, in the four years ago, they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter uh, of that game. With 12 minutes to play, they had a 10-point lead in the ball, and they couldn't close the deal uh, this week. You know, and again, I, there is, you know, there's, you can say you make your good luck, you have good fortune. I mean, you can't predict your, one of your best players is going to blow his Achilles running on the field. A ball's going to knock a guy on a punt that's going to hit him in the ankle, and all of a sudden it's a fumble. When your defense has got a blanket on that team, yeah. you combine those two things, one of your best players gets hurt flukishly, a fluke punt and hits a guy in the ankle, and all of a sudden it's their fumble recovery, and the next play's a touchdown. I mean, these are – but you've got to overcome that run. I mean, yeah. the point is you have to rise up and just uh, – you know, you, you suffered some, some, some tough fortune, but in the end, you know, should you have taken the ball in overtime yep. or deferred? I mean, all these things matter. I mean, it, they, they are so good in those critical moments, and they, they are so elite on uh, coaching, quarterback, and in the key places on the field. They executed in the, in the last five minutes. The Niners didn't. That was the difference in the ballgame. 
Yeah, no, I mean it's it, it. It seems overwhelming at times, but yeah, this it's once you do have the, the the elements that you need to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, and there are some teams that do. Uh, you still have to make sure that in clutch time, <laughs> that your best players are going to be the best version of themselves in clutch time, because that's what happens to Kansas City. Chris Jones, everything's magnified in the playoffs, but their their superstars are magnified, right? Travis Kelsey, one catch in the first half, ends up with nine. Chris Jones is crucial, pivotal pressures in critical moments. Patrick Mahomes uh, in fourth quarter and overtime is brilliant. And everybody else doesn't get that, right? Josh Allen is not – he's not putting on his cape in the fourth quarter in overtime. Uh, you didn't see that from Christian McCaffrey in the fourth quarter in overtime. There's something about the Chiefs where – hell, even Sark right, struggled with this and talked about that was his goal for this year. How do we get the best out of our guys in the fourth quarter and in the second half in, in these in these big games, right? How do we play our best football? How do we trend toward playing our best football at the end of these games in critical moments? That was a big emphasis for him in the offseason, right? How do we make sure that we are performing our best in critical moments down the stretch in the clutch? He did several things, right? He, he wanted to play more guys. He thought, hey, defense, we need to be fresher in the fourth quarter. That's a big part of it. He even geared the practice so they get more and more intense. Uh, they build to a crescendo. They build to the fourth quarter so that guys uh, naturally don't are programmed to play their best football early. They're programmed to understand, all right, we at the peak at the right time. There are certain things that coaches can do. It's just, I mean, you cannot miss, you can't miss anything. If you do, it seems like that'll come back to hunt you against the Chiefs. Well, and, and I mean, that, that's, that's the microscope in which these games are, are revisited. And uh, gosh, to the point in overtime, as I mentioned, uh, Feliciano, the right tackle, misses a block on Chris Jones. If he gets it, they probably get a touchdown there uh, yeah. because there were two guys wide open and the, the play that Kyle Shanahan had called was perfect. I mean, it was, he was talking about money plays. That was going to be a touchdown. Instead, Chris Jones is in the face of Brock Purdy and turns out to be an incomplete pass. They got to kick a field goal. I mean, these are the execution things we talk about that you just have to, you have to execute there. And to your point, I mean, you were in the building, Rod, and I was listening. I think it was Dan Orlovsky I heard yesterday talking about in the building. In that first half when the Niners were dominating, the body language of the whole Chiefs offense was terrible. It was. I mean, they were. They looked defeated. They looked defeated. Yeah. And instead, but they only put 10 points on the board. <laughs> you know, the, the Christian McCaffrey fumble, you know, not executing and not putting the ball in the end zone. I mean, they, you, you, it's one of those things if you, just, if you didn't look at the score and you just watched the game, you would have sworn the Niners were up 20 points by halftime. Instead, it was 10. <laughs> you know, it was 10 to 3. Yep. Uh, so, and that's the other part, right? I mean, if you, if you execute better in the first half, you've got a wider spread and a wider lead, uh, and, and the fourth quarter is not as critical, yeah. and they couldn't do that because that, yeah. that team is going to fix it. That's the one thing, right? They can, be yeah. a play, can play a bad first half, and you can have the great game plan that you had, but with Andy Reid, with Patrick Mahomes, with that team, they're going to fix it. They're going to get it right and um, take advantage of your good fortune come late if you don't uh, you know, put enough on the board. So, so many ways to analyze the game. Obviously, as we said in the headlines, the, uh, the TV ratings were as expected. The record is, has been broken and really shattered uh, over 200 million viewers for this game on Sunday, the highest unduplicated total audience in history. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because Kansas City is now either becoming, you know, America's team or they're becoming America's villain. Uh, one of the two here because, uh, you know, once you win three, now it becomes everyone wants to beat you. You become 
you know, almost too good <laughs> to where you become a, a villain at some level. But, um, boy, they are the face of football right now. He is the face of football, number 15, uh, at, a, at a ripe old age of 28. I mean, you, you, as we said yesterday, he's not even into his prime yet. Not That's yet. the really scary part. Not a quarterback. I mean, most, most – yeah, quarterback's prime is now, 28 to 35, yep. 28 to 34. He's just entering that. Mm -hmm. And he's already got three Super Bowl championships and three Super Bowl MVPs and uh, tracking. He's, you know, at, at the age of 28, he's, 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 he uh, follows only Tom Brady as far as GOAT status. He's past Tom, uh, Joe Montana now. He's one win behind Joe Montana, <laughs> all-time playoff wins. Just yeah. one win. So he'll surpass him next season. So, obviously. I mean, if this guy plays till he's 40, what's he going to do? That became, you know, to, to your point about how long does Andy Reid coach? How long do they keep this this juggernaut of uh, quarterback, coach, and general manager together uh, with the defensive coordinator? I mean, something's got to give, or else this team's just going to rattle off six, eight championships here in the next ten years. Yeah, I mean, the the, the NFL does a really good job of closing gaps when teams have separated from them. That's why you don't see a lot of teams win win back to backs. It's hard to win back-to-backs in the NFL because to win back-to-back -back in the NFL, you have to have something that is a strategy or, you know, it could be um, in terms of uh, your, your blueprint as a team. Um, it could just be a player that's just that good. Patrick Mahomes is just that good. It could be a, a coaching um, – it could be something like your coaching prowess. There is something that separates you from – it could just be a scheme. There's something that separates you from the rest of the league, and it takes the league a while to catch up. And then that's why, hell, that's why, you know, the, the Cowboys won two in a row, right? Jimmy Johnson had built that thing. There were so many separators. Uh, the Jimmy Johnson value chart. They built the O-line. It was the biggest O-line history of the NFL, the way they drafted. It just gave them so many advantages that the NFL took a few, like three, four seasons to catch up to them Cowboys teams, right? Having with the 49ers, with the Bill you know, Bill Walsh in the West Coast offense, it was new to the NFL. It took the NFL a while to catch up to it. Whether that's by siphoning and taking your coaches, uh, whether that's by just stealing your schemes and studying your schemes, whatever it may be. So for the Kansas City Chiefs to win back-to-back, -back, it is really impressive because the reason it doesn't happen in the NFL. But I will say the NFL will catch up scheme-wise to what they're doing. They'll catch up to them. The real question is, what do the Kansas City Chiefs do now to continue to keep that lead and separate from the rest of the league? And it's Brett Veach in the offseason. That's what he, it, he's the key to them continuing to have that, that built-in advantage. Because this year it was the defense. And we didn't, it was the best defense that Patrick Holmes has ever had with Andy Reid there. Uh, best defense Andy Reid's had since he's been the head coach of uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what people underestimated this year was how good that defense was. Yep. Um, and so and this it was good all year. It was good all year long. And this year, I think Brett Veach, he's going to do it with the wide receiving core. He's going to get their skill talent now up to par. And so every year they kind of reinvent some part of the team. And that's really what keeps them, I think, you know, in, right now with that huge advantage on the rest of the league. Yeah, try to take you – know, because you're in the lead, you can stay, stay, a, stay a step ahead. Well, they're chasing, you're pivoting, right? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you're evolving. And, and, you know, if you go look at the history of the, of the, of the New England Patriots, they kind of did the same thing. Every time. Yeah, Bill Belichick was a step ahead. He tweaked it. And he would he tweak know, it. He'd go clandestine as well yeah. and uh, try to cheat a little bit. But that's why that he was so rule. paranoid, though, E, because he knew, like, everybody's trying to steal my coaches and my secrets so they can catch up to the Patriots, and I can't let them do it. So even in his clandestine nature, it came back to bite him later, but I do think it, 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 it was a reason, uh, one of the reasons for the longevity of the dynasty. It was. All but right. you also got to have a Tom Brady. You know what I mean? With all that being said, with, you well, got to have the goat. Well, and that's why, <laughs> I mean, that, you know, the, the reason I brought up the Texans is it feels like C.J. Stroud might be one of those kind of players, right? The rookie season we just saw him have 
Um, you know, we've never seen that before from a rookie quarterback. Uh, so, okay, now, if you have that piece, that's where it starts and ends, right? The Bills thought they had it with Josh Allen. It's close. I mean, it's gosh, close. It's, it's close. close. And Josh Allen had another great season. But close doesn't matter in those games. Uh, and the Bills are probably the best example of it because every single year, whether it's 13 seconds that you have to stop Patrick Mahomes to go yeah. to the Super Bowl or it's, you know, executing in the final two minutes, it's, it's year after year now for the Bills. And, um, you know, the Ravens, you know, found out for the first time that uh, you got to execute and not lose your mind. Uh, Houston oh. might be a team that rises into that conversation too. And the Dolphins found it out as well. So we'll take your thoughts. Who's close? Who's the closest? Are the Cowboys any closer with the hiring of Mike Zimmer to come coach their defense? It is official. Now, I got a little uh, drama yesterday when reports of Rex Ryan was yeah. uh, still in the mix and the deal wasn't done with Mike Zimmer. We'll get you details on that. Rod will take us behind the BOC. We got What the Facts for the end of the hour. We are just getting warmed up on this Tuesday morning. Hook them up with Ian Rod. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, obviously, continuing to recap Super Bowl 58 and the Chiefs back to back. Pivot to some Cowboys conversation coming up. Mike Zimmer, officially now the new and former defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, pretty cool piece of sound here, Rock. Can we hear how it sounded as uh, the game was winding down in overtime? Now, officially the most watched television program of all time. Um, First overtime possession for the Chiefs is inside the five-yard line. Uh, and, of course, for NFL Films, Patrick Mahomes is mic'd up. So this uh, trick, trick ticked out yesterday. Here was the call from the huddle and then the play uh, to beat the uh, the 49ers in OT. Hey. Hey, so good. Good tricks right bunch. F, shuttle. Tom and Jerry right yellow. Orange, 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 orange. Let's go. 13 seconds to go in the overtime. Set. We're good, we're good! A touchdown wins the game. Cut. Right side touchdown! Kansas City! Tom and Jerry Wright, Rod. Trips right, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Tom, cool. Tom and Jerry. Uh, and then you get to the line and you hear Patrick say, we're good, we're good, we're good. He got the coverage he expected. And, and as you said yesterday, Andy Reid saw on the previous play that was a little, little pass to Travis Kelsey, same coverage. They dial up the right play, and they win the Super Bowl uh, 25-22. The more I thought about it yesterday, Rod, after you, you, you arrived and we talked about it, uh, I think it, uh, in, the, in, the, in the rear view, it was a mistake for Kyle Shannon not to defer the, the coin toss after winning, after uh, they get tails. Mm-hmm. in the overtime, defer, give the ball to Patrick Mahomes. And just for the base premise that once you know what they do, you know what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, that's the I – know, I know Kyle Shanahan talked about we wanted the ball third if we needed to. Man, I mean, it is changed. You, look at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you, when you have the ball second, you know exactly what you need to do. They exactly only needed right. a touchdown. Um, you know, and a field goal was still an option for them if they needed it. But, boy, it just changes the way you play call. I mean, if you, if, even if you're, you defer and they score a touchdown – you're playing four-down territory all the way down the field yep. in an overtime scenario. I mean, of course you know that you've got to go score a touchdown. That changes play calling. That changes your whole mindset. Uh, I think that was a mistake uh, by Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. No, I think uh, in retrospect that everybody's talking about that miscalculation uh, by Shano there. It, it, it's, you know, it's a small thing, but in, everything is, you know, everything is magnified in these playoff games. And I just think that was one situation. We'll hear from Chris Jones here coming up. Actually, Chris Jones said it was crazy. <laughs> that he they took the ball first and didn't uh you know obviously didn't wait to see exactly what the chiefs had done 
just as you pointed out, so that they would know how aggressive they needed to be. And I think how aggressive they needed to be was to try to go win the game. Uh, you, he, he basically hinted he knew they were going to score a touchdown. He said that. He was like, we expected to score a touchdown ourselves, them to score, and then we wanted a third. Yeah. So he, his mindset was he knew that, hey, man, they're going to they're gonna score. I'm going to have to go out here and beat the Kansas City Chiefs and beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, I just think he, you know, he should have deferred uh, on that one. And I think if he did, you know, maybe the outcome would have been a little bit different. But at least I think it would have gave him a better chance to go win the game. He never really had a chance to win the game. Nope, they didn't. Kansas City had a chance to go win the game. You had, they a had ch- the ball last. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the mentality they had. Their mentality was, no, no, we're going to win the game. They already said it. They were going for two. Yep. They were going to go win the game. And Shannon was just trying to, start, trying to coach, him, coach his way in the game. He was just trying to stay in the game. They were trying to win the game. There's a different attitude and mentality there. 100%, 100%. Real quick, before we go behind the burn orange curtain with Rod, let me uh, play this for you because this is what they were the drama built yesterday with the Cowboys because after our show ended yesterday, Rod, at 11 o'clock, word surfaced that all of a sudden Adam Schefter's on the Pat McAfee show talking about, hey, Rex Ryan is back in the mix for the Cowboys defensive coordinator job. It's not a done deal with Mike Zimmer, which we thought way back on Thursday. Remember the NFL Honors show? Mm -hmm. The reports were that the deal was done, and I think they agreed in principle, but the deal hadn't been signed. And listen to Rex Ryan. This is where this started on Sunday. During ESPN's pregame coverage of the Super Bowl, this was Rex Ryan talking about, hey, not so fast, my friend, with Mike Zimmer. I called Mike McCarthy, and the reason I did is because I want to be on this stage. I want to be back on this stage if I'm going to get back into coaching, have a chance at that. I think with this roster the way it is, I think offensively, special teams, and defense, and I figured I could make – maybe even a little bit of an upgrade that they could be right here. That's why I was interested. I don't, un, un, you know, it's funny how, well, should we get the, no, your team has no chance at me. Okay. That, that's generally the case. I would only go at the right, the, the right situation. And if it's not completely right, then I'm not going. But this team, it is interesting because they are so close to getting over that edge. And that's why I think people would be interested in this job. Well, the- Right, there you go, Rex yeah. Ryan. And then he went on to say that, that that Mike Zimmer thing, I know for a fact, not a done deal yet. And uh, now it is. Now it's done. Now it's yeah. done. Now yeah. it's done. Uh, that whatever, whatever needed to happen yesterday happened, uh, whether it was financial or yeah. you know, terms or whatever. So Mike Zimmer is now officially the D.C. They made the now. right decision. Uh, uh, Rex Ryan, I, I like Rex Ryan a lot. But I, I, like I said, I'm going with the more modern, more recent defensive mind. And I think Mike Zimmer has been an NFL head coach and a D and I were running his defense. I don't know. If he was actually calling the defense, but he was still running his defense. He has been involved more recently than the rest of those guys. So I just think with the way the game is changing so drastically, so quickly, I'll take the guy whose concepts are a lot more modern. And I think Zimmer's concepts are a lot more modern and he matches up well with them. Shanahan schemes. Say what you want to say about Shanahan and his uh, under in fact he underachieves in the Super Bowl, but his offense and his formula is still the most popular one in the NFL right now. Everybody's trying to copy it. Okay, no question about it. Yeah. Uh, and he knows, you know, Jerry Jones and how to work with the Jones family. He was there twelve years. Very true. Uh, back. Uh, how close were the Cowboys? And that we were just talking about this to start off the show that every team in the NFL right now has to do a self-evaluation, how close are we to being able to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs? How close are the Cowboys? Because the, the, the Packers, seem to, they may be closer oh, well, in the NFC right now. I think the Lions are closer, Lions too. Lions are closer in the NFC. Niners, certainly. Niners, 
Philadelphia well, Eagles. We'll see. I, I, look, I, I, after what I saw from the L.A. Rams this year, I think the Rams, if Matt Stafford comes back healthy with Nakua and Cup and another offseason of Les Snead building that roster, I think the Rams are, are back to being a really good team too. And the Eagles have gone a overhaul on their coaching staff. Uh, they're not going to be complacent and, and, and you know settle for what went on this year with Nick Sirianni. So no, I mean how how close are the Cowboys? We'll ask you that question. Four four seven three seven seven six. I would say as long as Dak Prescott's their quarterback, I don't think they're very close. But that would be my opinion. Can we go behind the burnt orange curtain with RB? And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? All right, so I got a Super Bowl-related Longhorn Nugget I want to get into. Uh, but before that, I actually saw a uh, mock draft. Um, this was a mock draft from NFL. Uh, yes, ESPN's updated their NFL draft ranking. Uh, they had two Texas players in the top 25, five in the top 50. I keep telling you guys, the second round is going to be basically Texas, Texas football heavy, Texas football-centric. Because I do believe you'll have one Longhorn draft in the first. You could have you could have two. I mean, I think you'll be – Byron Murphy right now seems to be the one that's clearly, no matter what mock draft you're looking at, um, no matter what big draft board you're looking at in terms of ranking all the prospects, he's the one that always seems to fall in the first round now. Um, and A.D. Mitchell is probably 50% of the time he's in the first round or somewhere close. And then there are some rounds where there's on, he, he drops into the second round too. If he does indeed drop to the second round, um, he, that second round is going to be all Longhorns because we know, uh, you know J.T. Sanders is likely going to be drafted in the second round there. Xavier Worthy is exactly where he's going. As a matter of fact, this new NFL updated draft, they got Byron Murphy 17th overall. And there's, this is their draft ranking board. So this is their big board, I should say. Uh, they have Byron Murphy at 17. They got A.D. Mitchell at 25, so they still got him as a first-round talent. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be taken there, but they're just ranking kind of overall prospects. Maybe we still got to think about need. Some teams don't need a receiver. They don't need that position. They, they may prioritize another position, whatever it is. Uh, they got J.T. Sanders at 40. Um, they got Xavier Worthy at 42. Tavondre Sweat at 46. <laughs> um, I think that from what I'm hearing about Jonathan Brooks, that if a team really likes Jonathan Brooks, they could they could he could slide into the the bottom of the second round, and maybe some team could decide, you know what, he's he's a project for us. But if he was if he was healthy completely, we would have been drafted in the second round anyway. So we're gonna take him now, but we'll just put him on a practice squad for a year or two, let him get healthy, and then we'll get second round value in our talent acquisition cycle next time around. But at least you get that great value of the top running back in the draft. And actually, I've seen a lot of Cowboys uh, mock drafts with Jonathan Brooks in that second round. And we know the Cowboys' second-round pick, that's where they like to take risks, right? That's where they like to roll the dice, medical issues, off-the-field issues, uh, whatever it may be. The Cowboys in the second round, that's usually where they decide, hey, man, we're going after great value. Uh, and no matter what the cost, potentially, right? We could end up losing out on that pick. That pick could you know, end up being a bust. But it's really high, high upside guys with tremendous value. That's what they like in the second round. But I digress. So you got Byron Murphy uh, and A.D. Mitchell at 25. You got J.T. Sanders. They got him at 40. They got Xavier Worthy at 42. Tavondre Sweat at 46. And like I said, I think Jay, Jay Brooks might climb up into that, the bottom of that second round too. So you could likely end up having – 
four guys taken in this four to, four to five, depending on what happens in the first round, four to five Longhorns taken in the second round. That's huge. I mean, that would be phenomenal. Um, so I, I do think at one point um, I'm expecting A.D. Mitchell to drop down in the wide receiving draft. We'll see. If he runs a really fast 40, maybe. But I do think it, right now he's trending toward potentially being bottom of the first round, top of the second round. That will determine whether you're in the four or five guys in the second. Uh, okay, let's hit this uh, while we got a little time here. Because uh, I, I heard uh, earlier uh, E played the sound of Patrick Mahomes calling the game when he played. Um, here's Andy Reid, actually. He was sitting, He sat down with Peter King. And Peter King, you know, he's basically the NFL historian. So he wants to get everything um, on the record, right, for his, his, his football morning in America piece. But also he wants to get on the record just for the sake of, uh, you know, accuracy. Yeah, exactly what the play call was, um, what was the actual uh, emphasis in the play call. Uh, so here is Peter King sitting down with Andy Reid, and Andy Reid, this is after the game, just giving him the exact play call. Uh, you just heard Patrick Mahomes on the field, but here's Andy Reid's version. Tiger 12, so that puts McColl in, and two tight ends, one running back. Yeah. Tom and Jerry Wright, one-way play. We don't have a lot of one-way plays, but this is it. Yeah. And it's gun trips right bunch, F shuttle. Okay. And that gives you a little corn dog with. Some, what? Let me ask you this: what, what is the what is the part of that play that denotes the motion? The shuttle. X shuttle. Okay, shuttle. All right. Easy X. Beautiful and corn dog. I love corn dog. It's great. If you'll notice, you know what type play? Can you play it one more time? And I'll ask you to cut it off. I'm not gonna play the whole thing. Can you play just one more time? That's a part I want people to hear. Tiger twelve. So that puts McColl in, and two tight ends, one running back. Yeah. Tom and Jerry Wright, one way play. We don't have a lot of one way plays, but this is it. Yeah. Okay, cut it off. One way play. You've heard me describe certain particular concepts in Sark's offense as first read wide window throws. That's a, it's a first read. It's the only read. I'm, I've schemed it open. There is no progression. You're going to one guy. That's it. First read, wide window. It's a first read, so no progression. Uh, and the wide window is it's schemed wide open for you. All you got to do is just make an accurate throw. And that's why he's like, we don't have many one-way plays like that. They don't have many first-read wide window throws. It's the NFL. <laughs> you got to go through a progression. Uh, you know, you're going usually you're going through a progression play, and you ha you need to have options, solutions built into the play. So usually it's never as simple as, all right, that guy's going to be open, throw it to him. That was a one-read wide window throw. First read, wide window throw. Sark has a few of those in his playbook too. And remember I told you that's when Quinn uses at his best. With those first read wide window throws, I and I'll get into this a little bit later on. I want to see Sark use more of that on the goal line and more of that in the red zone. Remember, red zone touchdown percentage for the Longhorns, they were 120th in the country. They were one of the worst touchdown percentage red zone teams in all of college football. Uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers are two of the better red zone offenses in the NFL, and most of it comes down to creativity and scheme. And they do use a lot of motion. They do use a lot of targets to motion uh, on the goal line and in the red zone. Um, and I think for Sark, you know, and Sark obviously talks about how he steals plays and he uses other teams' concepts and some of their favorite concepts, especially from the Shanahan coaching tree, as we talked about. 
uh, I've seen Sark use that concept, the return motion concept. We've all seen it. I think he should start using it a little bit more on the goal line, a little bit more in the red zone. And those are those first read wide window throws that Quinn Ewers is really good at too. And that is something that could help him in the red zone because one of the things I think that also uh, limits him in the red zone is limited to Texas offense, his inability to get through progression reads quickly and everything happens faster on the goal line and in the red zone. And that's why even Andy Reid decides in, in that situation, no, 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 I'm going to make it easy on my quarterback. Just make the throw. The guy's going to be wide open. Back-to-back back years. Schemed him open. Back-to-back back years, yeah. the same play. Uh, Corn with dog, the baby. Eagles and the uh, – little, little, little mustard on it, though. little mustard, yeah. ketchup and mustard on that. All right, we'll come back. There's good stuff from behind the BOC, Texas-related, but it also relates back to the NFL and the big Super Bowl that we all watched on Sunday. Coming back, we'll get some what-the-facts, including, as we expected, changes are coming to the Wasted Management Open in Phoenix. The Wasted the Management, management <laughs> management Open. Changes are coming. Appropriately named. Uh, we will also get to the other facts. Tiger Woods has a new line of uh, – uh, clothing coming out. We'll get your details there, too. That's coming back. Hook them up with Ian Robbie. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook Em Up. Uh, appreciate your messages at uh, 512-447-3776. It says Cowboys dodged a bullet not signing Rex Ryan. He would have come to Dallas wanting McCarthy's job. It says uh, how close are the Cowboys. Uh, the difference is Kansas City has Mahomes. Kelsey, Andy Reid, a great defense. San Francisco has Purdy, McCaffrey, and Shano. Dallas has Dak and who? Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, well, we'll CD's an all pro now. CD's an all pro, so you got one of the top three to four best wide receivers in the game, right? That's, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, you Dak played all pro level football during the regular season. I know it doesn't matter uh, in the postseason, but he played all pro level. So, I mean, you got some pieces. Yeah, you got oh, more pieces than 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 the Green Bay Packers supposedly. Yeah. You had more All Pros <laughs> than any team in the league, guys. Yeah, more All Pros than anybody in the league. Yeah, we'll hear from C.D. Lamb and Micah Parsons. Elite pass so, rusher. Uh, pretty good stuff. We'll play coming up uh, in our next hour because because uh, you know while they were in Vegas, Micah Parsons was hosting his like little podcast thing he does. I mean, it's pretty elaborate that he does these days. It's actually a nice setup. They got very a, nice yeah. setup he's got. But he was talking to C.D. Lamb and then C.D. weighing in on what needs to change in Dallas. Uh, if they're going to get over the hump or near the hump, they're not even at the hump at this point because um, they can't even get out of the divisional round. Now, this week, you're the wild card round mm-hmm. of the NFL's playoffs. But some what the facts, Rod, we anticipated this was coming, but after the embarrassment of Saturday and this weekend, changes are coming to next year's uh, Phoenix Open, the WM Phoenix Ocean, in the wake of the incidents involving fans and golfers. Uh, Chance Cosby, the executive director of the Thunderbirds, which is the civic organization that hosts the Phoenix Open, mm-hmm. he told the Golf Channel on Monday that the tournament is already looking for ways to fix the issues that plagued the tournament on Saturday. Uh, so he said, quote, I think you will see a complete operational change of how we manage really our Friday and Saturday, but the entire week. We're very proud of what we've built. I think we've been in the tournament of the year on the PGA Tour 5 of the last seven years, but we don't like what happened on Saturday. The players don't like what happened on Saturday. Our fans don't like what happened. So nothing is off the table. They're going to make some changes, and that's okay. just you can't uh, got to limit beer sales, got to limit some tickets, and you got to control people. At the end of the day, people have to have some personal responsibility too, and not drink themselves into a stupor on a good golf yep. tournament. But mm-hmm. you know, at some point, you got to almost treat them like children. Well, I mean, you need to be more exclusive about who you're letting in there. <laughs> you're letting too many people in, and honestly, and you, it, it's I don't know. It's, it's this is the reason they have like dress codes and stuff. And it's golf, so they have like different codes and different standards and stuff about their golf, uh, their golf course and their tournament. I'm sure, um, but yeah, it seems whatever 
the restrictions are. They're not strict enough because the reputation there is you can go there and get lit. You can go there and get lit and get loose. Like that was even before this these viral videos went out of people fighting and being wasted. They need to they need to shatter that that stigma. Yeah, jump the shark on Saturday. Yeah, they uh, shattered that. They need to they need because, to get rid of because that. Because it was a, you know, for for years now, as you mentioned, five of the last seven years, it's a, it's a novel thing because normally golf mm-hmm. is quiet and whispering, everybody's quiet. Yeah. And that's fun. I mean it's a party. Yeah. It's a it's a stadium atmosphere. They had two hundred and eighteen, two hundred and sixteen thousand people, almost two hundred and seventy thousand people on Friday and Saturday. Yep. So it's big crowds, it's fun. The golfers like it, but no one likes what we saw on Saturday no. with drunken fools Come and fights now. and yeah. guys doing, you know, Snow angels in the sand bunker. I mean, this is just debaucherous and ridiculous. That needs to be controlled. They need more security. Mm, they need less there people. You go. Just more security would help you right there. Just the presence yes. of security walking around. That would help. You know that does. It's like, it's like uh, you know, anytime you have a dress code. Like, they've done studies. People, if they, when, you, when you have to have a dress code, people act differently yeah. when they're dressed up nicely. They just do. Yeah. So I'm not saying they need a dress code. I'm just saying, like, those types of things, though, they could still deter some of that behavior. Just by having more, I think of a more presence of a security around there, police, whatever. But uh, I, I like the reputation of it, though, that it's not some smuggy, stuck-up golf tournament. But yeah, y'all went way too far to the extreme, way too far. Uh, what do you have, Rod? And what the facts? Uh, shout out to my man uh, Sid Golden because I got this from him. Sid, uh, Sid Golden had a really nice uh, stat here. Okay, so the stat said it, he, he said with Texas, he tweaked this out. Uh, with Texas Tech's win over number six Kansas, unranked teams are ten and three against top ten opponents in Big Twelve play. Yeah, they Texas Tech blitzkrieged. Man, the the the, uh, the Kansas Jayhawks last night. Unranked teams are ten and three against top ten opponents in Big Twelve play. And he said he also says ten and three at home. Yeah, I mean that, that's, that's really, the thing, right? The ten home, and three at home. That's why the Longhorns' home record is disturbing. I mean, uh, you can't lose at home in the Big Twelve. You got to. It's gonna be hard to win on the road. They've won, you know, the quad one games on the road. Uh, and they're going to have to get another one you know, for Rodney Terry's team. They go down to Houston on Saturday. Oh, and Houston's certainly uh, sitting atop the conference at 8-3 and three right now. Um, so, you know, big week for Texas because they have a week off, essentially, and get their legs under them. Dylan DeSue, props to him. I mentioned he was the Big 12 Player of the, player of the Week. Um, this is his stats line last week, Rod, and, and they lost one of these games. Ridiculous. Almost 28 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 2.5 steals, and a block and a half. He's kind of like one of the best big men in the country right now. Yeah, if he keeps playing like that. They can win some of these games. They'll be in the tournament, and they'll be tough once they get to the tournament. But uh, they gotta, they got to still sort some things out. Uh, real quick, since uh, in a what the facts, Rod? Remember when, they, when the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill and everybody said, what, the, what are you doing? Chiefs are now 7-0 in the playoffs, have two Super Bowl rings, and received five picks for Tyreek Hill in the trade. Why did they trade the best receiver in the game, arguably? That's why. Because they needed young players. Trent McDuffie, <laughs> Sky Moore, Darian Kennard, Rache Rice, and Keandre Coburn are the five picks so far. And they still have a fifth-round pick this year yeah. from the Tyreek Hill deal. Yeah. No, they, they – we talked about this. You know, maybe the Miami Dolphins are a team that can take the next step uh, and try to get closer and closer to what the Chiefs are doing. Um, we saw Tua take a huge step. Um, but I feel, like they're, I feel like they're farther away because they can't be good teams yet. Not, not, let alone the best team. They can't just be good teams yet. Well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll play Homer. If the Texans have a good offseason, they can be in this conversation. I agree with you because they got a top-ten QB right now. Yeah, then they've got yep. an elite young quarterback. I agree they've with that. They've got, you know, $70 million in, in cap space to spend mm-hmm. on their own people and add people. Remember the O-line's Draft already built? Picks, yeah. And, you know, then D'Amico Ryans has proven, I think, to be a, you know, a, a, an elite young head coach. It's a good strategy. In one year. Yeah. Um, Bobby Slowick was in demand as a head coach. So, again, you know, if Buffalo's window is closing and, you know, the Ravens are still mm-hmm. in that conversation, 
You know, you know Jim Harbaugh is going to try to have the Chargers in place with Justin Herbert. Yep. Um, you know, but Houston, I mean, you got to, you know, I think last year at this time we would have been saying Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, but they took steps backwards this season. They did. Uh, but I think as long as you have young C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans and cap space to go get some more players and fill holes, Houston could be right there because they were I mean, a 10-win team this past year. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they are way ahead of schedule. Yep. Way ahead of schedule. All right. We'll talk more about it in uh, more What the Facts. Plus, Rod's got a first rant of a Tuesday coming up. It is Valentine's Day Eve. And, yes, it's a fact. It is National World Happy World Radio Day. World Radio Day. Not sure what that even Whatever means, that but means. Happy World Radio Day. <laughs>